You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Welcome to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Um, and we've got a, a great uh, premise ahead of this episode today where we're fortunate enough to talk to director of upcoming film, The Marshes. His name is Roger Scott. Um, Roger, thanks so much for uh, coming on board and having a chat with us today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Look, I've been fortunate enough to um, see the film, uh, and I said to you offline, and I and I stand by it, that I really, really love this film. Um, I think it's a great entry into the genre. Um, it's a, a unique point of difference as well. Um, has a bit of an Australian voice to it, but it can kind of stand in its own right too, I feel, across the board. So, um, But before we get into talking uh, about the film itself, I do like to have a chat with the directors or actors that come on board for the podcast with a bit of a background to how they've got to where they are today. Um, I, I know that you might want to try and say this as briefly as possible, but what, can you describe your journey up to the point that the marshes became something that you were going to entertain as becoming a, a director at your directorial feature debut? Yeah. Okay. So look, I have a background in science, you know, in a previous life. So I, I, um, I was an environmental scientist. So I have friends, I have a lot of my friends are, are working um, as um, postdoc researchers, like in biology and ecology and, and all that sort of, you know, in that sort of, that sort of field. So I frequently get the chance to um, zip back to my old life and, and work as a research assistant for for them, which is which is amazing. And that's how I found myself out in that incredible location that you see. Yeah. And yeah. and so fr- from that point of view, one thing led to another, and the story the story developed in terms of my partner and I, my my producer. Um, that you know, you reach a point where you're like, we need to stop, basically <laughs> stop fucking around. Yeah. And, and stop talking about the fact that we're going to make a film and commit, you know, here's, here, we've got a bunch of things on our slate. Um, what, are the, what do we think we can do? What um, has, you know, the most virtue at this point in time? And um, there's artistic and, and economic considerations for that. Yeah. And, 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 but we really like the hook that this one had. And yeah. it, it did a bunch of things that we liked. So um, this was the project that we, that we sort of, committed to we set a date for it and um and you know they say on average that it takes seven years from conception to to shooting and um that's in this case that's true i look there's wow. that's not always the case so there's, a, there's i there's other projects that i've tried to get up that <laughs> clearly have taken longer and, and i've got sure. friend, friends whose projects have taken much longer so it's it's somewhat a hopeful um hopeful seven years there but yeah that, wow that's how long it took for us. I, I do want to say that, like, um, it kind of that makes sense about the biology part that you were just talking about now, because um, it uh, it really rings true when they when the researchers are going out into the field and kind of studying this stuff. And I was watching it, thinking, you really must know your stuff in order to kind of for this stuff to actually be believable. Um, and, and when they go out there, and early on, you are wondering what direction this is going to go in, whether it's going to be something down this kind of biological route um, and then it ends up being something completely different or does it, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, um, and that was, um, but I, that was something I did kind of remark on on the, on the testament to the writing of which we should add that you are the writer to this movie yeah. as well. Um, 
I do want to add at this point too that the film is going to be screening as a part of a Night of Horror uh, festival, which is going to be uh, in Dendy, in New, uh, Dendy Newtown in Sydney, on uh, I believe the first of December at about seven pm. I believe. That's um, yeah, that's so. Um, people that may listen to this podcast beforehand, go go there and check it out. I will remind people of the date again at the end of the at the end of the chat. Um, so as as we said, Roger, the, the Marshes is your directorial feature debut. What what were the most notable challenges that you found sitting in the director's chair? Oh, there's myriad challenges. It's <laughs> it's uh, it's a like you know it's really in a lot of ways it's a constant shit fight. Like there's always there's always something happening that you've, yeah. you've got to deal with. But um, in this instance. You know, it's such a unique location. Logistics play. There was always a logistical issue that you know the team was working on that we were having to sort of um, try and deal with, and that that was from pre-production all the way through. There was always when you are, I mean, you're fighting light at the best of times if you're doing exteriors, but when you add mud and water and reeds and and weather into that, and we're lucky, yeah. we had one rain day, and wow. and and I hadn't written rain into it at all, you know, like it wasn't that really wasn't going to work for us, but also that was part of our planning, you know, we knew that we had this window of time where it was it was the Goldie Goldilocks window, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, neither yeah. too hot nor cold. Um, to, to get out there and we were likely to have rain. And the other thing is there's something called environmental water which is released that flows through at that point in time. So we had the time, our arrival just after the that season's um, release of environmental water yeah, in order well. that we had the flush of growth that gave us the colours that we were after. In the, so, you know, there was yep. so much logistics that went into it. But then, you know, it's the other stuff that um, like, you know, how do you deal with... Um, issues that arise in direction that you give to actors, you know, like, so that's a learning process for me. Okay. How do I make that more economical? How do I make, um, you know, how do I, um, I guess just get better at the, those, um, craft sort of things. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. there's, there's so many different things that come up, you know, we had, a um, equipment failures and, and that sort of thing, again, that's exacerbated right. by the tyranny of distance. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole plethora of stuff that's thrown into the mix there. Something um, that I um, just kind of add living here to uh, my question, but um, I just thought I should add that it's actually a very small cast that's attached to this too. Um, I mean, we only see like three main kind of characters or a few people that they interact with along the way. So um, did you find um, that kind of tight-knit group helped in um the direction that you were trying to achieve um because they have to have a, a bit of a relationship obviously for uh for the events to play out um yeah. did you find that advantageous just working in such a small group it, it really did and that was one of the things that i um you know i did to not make things too difficult for myself as well like i, I you know i wanted something that was manageable but exactly what you've said there is yeah. in in having a small group like that and just putting them in that environment, there's a camaraderie that develops, you know, on its own, and that really helps with with me um, with the directing. You know, there's so much other stuff going on as well that I knew that I would really have a, a really um, small amount of time to to work on the 
the stuff that I really actually wanted to do, which was, you know, work on performance um, with yeah. the with the actors. So anything that we could do to give us more time or to facilitate that happening, you know, putting those guys together and just letting that stuff happen organically, that was um, we were pulling out anything that we could, any little trick or or whatever, just to, to you know to make that happen. So yeah, that was that really helped. We couldn't have gone out there with more people um, and got a good result either there just would have been two we would have had more crew um cast than crew at, at some points you know so yeah. yeah yeah for sure um so like um we mentioned that you wrote the screenplay for the marshes um what was your inspiration for the movie i know you were you that you said you were dabbling in um oh, science in a previous life um but what what was it that stirred up the actual kind of story element that you came up with for this where did that inspiration come from um, look, there's, certain, there's, there's different threads. There's different things that we've worked in there. So there's not one single source for. So I don't want to give away give away too much by no. naming actual elements, but there's certain things that are worked in from from different angles. But the the core of it, I guess, came from um, you know particular frustrations that I was feeling and disillusionment that I was feeling um, that. Um, especially that particular time when I was out there with with what was happening, um, mm. not only in a local level in that environment, but a national and an international level as well. You know, there's a we're we're at an incredibly unique point in human history. We have never been here before, and it's and I'm not seeing a lot of art that is dealing with that. You know, yes. we we are actually in you know essentially this is a post apocalyptic period. You know, this is it's an incredible incredible time, and I mean that both it's both amazing and horrifying. And what mm. better genre to use to deal with that than than horror? So this is a this specific point in time. It was like there's my own disillusionment with people not being aware of perhaps the gravity of the situation we're in. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, that fed around the specific circumstance of the um, local situation there. Yeah, um, yeah. And then from the, the mythical point of view, you know, when you, or you're out in that environment and you become aware that, well, that's, the, that's essentially the area that Waltzing Matilda occurred in. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, then those things fuse together and you come up with, uh, or at least I did, I came up with that. <laughs> those those particular elements you know they melded really yeah. well to me once I had you know you spend a lot of time thinking and talking about these things particularly out there you know there's no distractions there's no there really is you know when the the characters are looking for mobile phone receptions and I know it's a terrible trope I know yeah. but it's true. Like, it's yeah, yeah, that's right. there's nothing you know you are on your own out there so there's a lot of time to think and talk, which you know you really miss in the city so actually it was a great um it was a it was a great way of of those elements coming together to forge a story, and when, and once they, once what I was trying to say before is, once I had those realizations about um, how well those particular things, my own, um, my own issues, and and that story, and how they melded together, it, it just, and the symbolism behind them, then the, yeah. the story kind of started running on its own. Yeah, yeah. And then there were things then that I could feed into that to um, try and get what I wanted. I don't, I'll just say like there's a great Australian film, Samson and Delilah, which was um, something that gave me, uh, I think for any filmmaker out there who's interested in issues and a lot of us are, um, 
I think that movie is really instructive. And for me it was really instructive in that you can be concerned about things and you mm. can put them in your film, but you've always got to stick to the story and the story of those central characters. So for me, I always had Samson and Delilah in the back of my mind and I was thinking, you know, trying to um, use that as a lesson. And, you know, Warwick Thornton is a, an amazing filmmaker. You know, I've worked with him on uh, as a technician, um, yes. you know, on, on other sets and he's, he's the most chilled guy and he's so knowledgeable. So, you know, to, you know, I kind of had him in the back of my mind. I was like, all right, just kind of, you know, learn, learn my lessons from him and stick to that story. Don't get overwhelmed by, you know, these, I care about this stuff and, you know, but nobody wants to hear me caring about a, a <laughs> yeah, film, yeah. you know, that what they want is this genre experience and what will make that genre experience richer is properly realising the symbolism and infusing that passion and care that I have about those elements into the story, always into the story. And Giovanni LaRusso, our, um, our DOP, He's all about the story. You know, he yeah. is, all right, how can I put my amazing skills? I mean, he doesn't say that he has amazing skills. Um, <laughs> not until after a few beers anyway. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, that's not true at all. Um, and he, he was always focused on, all right, um, all of this has to be in service of, of the story. And so, you know, when we were... Um, you know, looking for DOPs, that was a really important thing that he said that made me want to work with him. You know, I was like, that is that is what it's about for all of us. It's not even about me as a, as a director. You know, people get this yeah. sense that, oh, you're the director and, you know, that they have a, an idea about what that entails. And it's, um, to me at any rate, that's, it's not accurate at all. It's always about pushing that story forward and, mm. and trying to um, make everything that you do keep feeding into it. And it's really easy to lose track. You know, you can lose your focus and you can go off on these tangents, yeah. um, which we tried really hard not to do. Oh, no, and you can see that through and through. I think that's why, like, to me, when I was watching it, 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 it does stand strong. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful film and I think, the story is is key to that, and uh, and some of the stuff that you were you were talking about with the imagery that's that's um, used throughout, you know, uh, tucking into the you know the Waltz and Matilda kind of stuff that you were mentioning earlier. Um, I was you kind of uh, beat me to the gun a bit because I was going to ask you what key influences that you have, um, and you've mentioned like Samson and Delilah, but was horror always your first choice as a genre for your first film? Um, look, the, I mean, the, it's, it's, look, that's a really interesting question. As it turns out, the very first short film I did, um, you know, I did a, a, a very brief, um, uh, film school here in Sydney, like it was, it was a five month program, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I wanted something that was, that gave a really, um, a, a really good sort of intro to, this was years ago, you know, an intro to, to everything and, mm-hmm. And the first film that I did was a horror film around uh, the German cannibals. I don't know if you remember the, the cannibals, the the one who advertised for someone to eat. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I how, how, could you, how could you forget? I particularly remember the IT crowd had an episode on that, which was really funny. Oh, I haven't seen it. I'll have uh, to check you it should, out. You should see it. It's funny. Anyway, yeah, you were saying. So that was my, you know, so... On the one hand, I'm saying, no, no, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not wedded to horror. I think that you choose the genre that fits the story that you're writing. And, in yeah. fact, you know, I have, you know, I've, uh, quite a broad range of, of stories from, you know, 
drama through to buddy buddy dramedies or, or comedies that you know different things that I'm working on. So mm. in this instance, um, it, there are a few things that played into it. This is definitely you know in, it, when you're dealing with something that's horrific, horror makes you know good sense to go with. But it's also a forgiving first, uh, a forgiving genre for first time filmmakers, and yeah. you know there's there's a a, a wide audience out there. Um, so, so if, you know, for me, those things also played into it. Um, but, but also, I don't want to sound like I'm an apologist for the horror genre. I mean, um, you know, anytime I talk to someone, you know, they're like, "Oh, you're making a film? That's great!" And you're like, "Yeah." And then I'm, I'm waiting for it. It's, oh, what's it about? And I'm like, "It's a horror." And then their face drops. Oh, no, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't really like horror. <laughs> You don't like it. Um, I mean, some of the most amazing and influential films of our time have, uh, you know, are horror for a yes. start. And and the second point is is that people don't, they're like, oh, I don't like it. It makes me feel X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, yeah. surely the fact that you've got a film which you know isn't real and it makes you feel yeah. X, Y, and Z, by your own admission, it makes you feel something. I mean, how much stuff do you watch that doesn't make you feel anything? I know, more? I know. It, Except for except for fourteen dollars or twenty dollars poorer at the end of the two hours, and you're like, "Give me my fucking money back!" I didn't yeah, feel yeah. anything. But yeah. horror, you can be you can be assured, and it might be disgust, or it might be you know, it might be any range of emotions or yeah. or, or whatever. You know, it's it's uh, it, it has a bad rep. I don't, you know. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's one of the reasons why I'm always drawn to the genre myself. Like, not just that, but films in general that I need to walk out feeling something you know um and i, I remember uh, earlier on in the year i went to see the french film raw i don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet no but, i know uh, the one you're talking about but i haven't yeah but that was that was one of those movies you know sometimes when you walk out from a cinema and you just have this kind of feeling in your stomach or in your chest you know uh, and that to me is the point of going to see films you, to have that experience when you come out from it um and I was just going to touch on that as well, like talking about great movies as well. Um, so, you know, they, particularly within the horror genre, they explore this kind of uh, the notion of fear in the world, you know. Um, and sometimes that fear comes from isolated locations, which you have used within the marshes. Um, what is it about the specific location um, that you use that brought fear to your mind as a creator or as an artist? Um. Look, I had I had one experience where uh, the guy, my friend who I was helping, he and I decided to take a shortcut across. And, and you know, you have to see these. It's, it's like you see in in the film. You know, they have yeah. these reed beds, and there's that. You know, they're meters tall. You know, up to three meters tall, and and it's just a um, a curtain of green, and you step into it, and you are you are surrounded in. Yeah. And I mean, right in front of your face. Like once you start walking through it, that's all you see. You don't see the sun. You don't see. There's no horizon. All yeah. you see, and and very quickly we were we were really lost. <laughs> wow. Starting to freak out a bit, and we were like, it was a really visceral experience. We we're like, whoa. So then you know, that was one of the things that fed into these what we were talking about. We're like, okay, this could be pretty. If I could yeah. capture some of that, like this, I mean, this was the middle of the day as well. Couldn't see the sun, you know, you didn't know what time <laughs> yeah. it was. And I mean, that's one of the things that um, gave me the, so basically once the character, not to give too much away, once our characters head into the reed beds and yeah. they, they stay in the reed beds, it, the 
it, it shouldn't look as though time changes very much. We tried very hard with our lighting and um, with our um, uh, with our post work to to make it look essentially like it was mid afternoon for that entire period. That was um, to try and emphasise the um, the psychological elements, the the feeling of timeliness, timelessness of not only being trapped in a in a, a um, physical or psychological labyrinth, but also yes. uh, you know a, a temporal one as well, if you like. So, yeah. so so that when you go into a place that can look and feel surreal like that, it's not very hard then to start looking around and, and thinking, all right, so you know with the right lighting and and such like, we can really make this this work for us. And you know, there's there's a really long history in 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 Australian painting. You know, going back to the like the Heidelberg school. Oh, yeah. the way they were using the – and that, that was another thing that fed into it. You know, you look at these huge canvases and they're, they're painting these amazing landscapes and it's – the elements in that that spoke to me was that even back then they were looking at the grandeur of the landscape and they were um, they were really affected by that. They were really capturing it really effectively. And, in fact, a lot of the places that they were capturing um, – you know, uh, uh, suburbs now even. Yes. You know, yeah, there's yeah, a, lot, yeah. a lot around Melbourne, around the um, around Melbourne with some of the, the very best-known um, paintings, you know, the, those places, those um, woodlands and whatnot don't exist anymore. So anyway, yeah. they were also uncritically um, placing a, um, a white man in the middle of all of those. There's very few women and, and you know, it was this heroic vision of these men in this in this landscape, so we were trying to um, take those elements and, and recreate some of the feeling. You know, there's a couple of specific shots where we're trying to recreate some of those some of the feelings from some of those paintings, yeah, and nice. then and then put this sort of contemporary spin on it, and a more critical um, a more critical um, juxtaposition between the people in the in the frame or some of the characters rather, and the people in the frame, and, and yeah. just kind of messing around with it like that. So. Um, yeah, different elements fed into that one single environment. But if you go out there, it's it's beautiful, but it can be terrible as well. I mean, yeah. especially if you do something stupid like we do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, look, some, something that I thought that was handled incredibly well was how the marshes was uh, had this distinctively Australian feel to it, and yet was unique in its own right. Um, did you uh, did you find this particularly uh, challenging to undertake to kind of make you know go with this tone that it is an Australian setting, but you know that there is this kind of otherworldly feeling about it too? Yeah, we kind of had a feeling of wanting to create a um, I don't know, like a kind of a Southern Gothic feel yeah, around yeah, it. You know, if we had that. so we had that always in the back of our mind. So how can we take this thing that is and and. It, the other thing is, is it's really interesting to go, okay, so this is Australian, this is an Australian environment, Australian feel, but there's an environment that's never been seen by any audiences, Australian or otherwise. So it's yeah. it, it, it typically, you know, your characters drive eight hours inland in, a, in an Australian <laughs> film and it's a red, flat, arid environment. And yes. our characters drive eight hours inland and they're in, they're in this lush, green gothic vibed kind of environment you know it's completely different to yeah. anything i'm aware of anyway in, in australian films and that was you know that's that's important as well there's a reason for that but but for us you do recognize it you go yeah. oh, oh it's australian 
but yes. I've never seen it before. So it changes your it, it, it immediately. It changes the audience's conception of what they know of the place they live in, and the same yes. with the, our choice of characters. Um, you know, they're identifiably Australian, but they're not who you're used to seeing. They're not the types yes. of people you're used to seeing, but they are Australian. So then that that changes um, your conception as well. You know at a sort of more at a subconscious level, I hope. I hope mm-hmm. it's not something that people are sort of sitting there going, oh, yes, that's interesting what they've done there. That's <laughs> overt, you know, I mean, I think if we've done that, yeah. then they're not following the story. No. But another point to add to that is, okay, so we wanted something that had a very specific Australian flavour to it, both for our local audiences, for the hooks that will work for them, but we really hope that there's overseas audiences that, that are into it. And I think mm. one of the things that I like about Let's say, for example, you asked earlier about um, some of the the other films that have an influence. So something like Deliverance has a yeah, yeah yeah has a big influence. Now that place, you know, that has they have a specific, a very um, specific location there, which has influenced the way films that follow um, are made and looked at, you know, ever ever since. You know, yeah. they went to you know, this amazing place that hadn't been seen before and used it in a specific way, and it travelled. Now, we, so, of course, we had that in the back of our mind as one example, but, you know, if you want something, we wanted to give people, we wanted to meet their expectations but also to exceed them. So to say, okay, so here's a, and that's borne out in the probably the opening 15 minutes, you have a very familiar feel of where you're going to be, and then we try to, over the course of the film, go a little little differently do things a little bit differently and go slightly different but we wanted um gentle hands at the beginning so that people felt that they you know that it was familiar and they knew what they were getting but that is a thing like i think horror audiences both want something that they recognize as what they've signed up for yeah it's a it's a genre film but then you don't want to always see the same thing you know you want something that's a a little bit a little bit different a little bit unique and that is what i think um, I think it's one of the big things that we have to, you know, to offer. Like we, our characters are a bit different and our settings mm. are a bit different and the story turns out to be a bit different. And, um, and you know, hopefully people will watch it from overseas and they'll be like, okay, so there's, there's stuff going on there. You know, this, yeah. I, I can tell that it's about something. It's not just this pat story that's been laid over a, a pre-imagined um, landscape. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with everything you were just saying there, and that's what really translated to me. It it felt fresh, you know. It felt exactly like something I hadn't seen before, um, an environment that you know that I wasn't familiar with, which made it again even more interesting when these characters are led into this space, um, you know, and face the uh, the challenges that they that they come across, um, and that's well, that's what I meant. Like it, you can tell it. As I said, it's Australian, but like it's got this uniqueness to it because I, I agree with you. I don't think I've ever seen that landscape kind of uh, on in film or particularly in Australian film um, before. And that's why, yeah, really commend commend the storytelling and and the use of that location. I thought it was really, um, and you needed it to to be because it's a character in its own right. You know, it, um, so it, re- um, it really is. Yeah. yeah, and for in order for the story to pay off, you know that's that has to sell. Um, so another thing that you explore in the marshes is this: uh, there's this questioning of reality. Characters are yeah. often stumbling into this kind of surreal sense of the world around them, and their confusion that that, that follows after them. 
what what is it do you that you personally uh, are attracted to with the human psyche that you know that fascinates you um i think it's really at the crux of the way we i mean there's so many different ways for us to understand the world around us and we're always you always have these um these moments these epiphanies where the world's revealed to you to not be the way that you thought it was i mean our whole lives are this process of going oh what the fuck that's that's actually not how things work at all or you know or, or i hear somebody who's so certain about the way the world is and i'm like Oh man, I like I just don't see things like that at all. Like it's it, it, to me, it's this constantly you know changing and evolving place. And I mean, you can look to biology for an example. I mean, uh, to think of the way a fly sees the world, or the way a dog hears or smells, or or you know an animal that sees an infrared. You know, these are all these these ways yeah, yeah. of of um, of seeing or interacting with the world that we don't have that make it a completely different different place you know the colors we see and not the colors we see you know all of that sort of stuff it's like uh, to me uh it's a bit of a, a movable feast so it's interesting and and you know the smallest thing goes wrong in the human machine and suddenly yeah, yeah. our perceptions change completely so um for me that's fun as uh you know within a story and within characters and to try and um move that around both on the characters and the audience um yeah, sorry, does that answer your question? I'm not sure yeah, if no, I just does. trailed off there or... <laughs> no, no, not at all. That totally answers my question. Okay, so um, we're now at a point, as we said, where the Martian, Martians is going to be uh, put out into the real world. Um, it, as, as we said, it's going to be screening at the as part of a, a Night of Horror Film Festival uh, at the Dendy Newtown on December the 1st at 7pm. So book your tickets if you're listening to this ahead of time and you're in Sydney. Go and see it. I highly recommend it. Um, but for you... Um, uh, Roger, what what's next for you? I mean, you're about to unleash this thing, but do you have other things in the pipeline, or are you solely just thinking about the marshes at this point in time? Uh, no, we've got a few other things on the go. I mean, we're just um, honestly, it'll come down to funding. It's really just sure. it's we've got a couple a couple of different scripts on the slate. There's um there's actually a a sci-fi drama that we've been. Um, that been working on for a while based on mm-hmm. a on a short story and there's there's a couple of other things um we're just trying to see what um people might be interested in in sure. seeing yeah cool well look um and that's that's pretty much us for uh, for this evening um thank you so much roger it's it's been a pleasure chatting with you and um yeah but fantastic movie as i said um and uh, I'll, I'll repeat again for those that are listening. And uh, if you want to go and see it, it is at the Oneida Horror Film Festival, Dendy Newtown, on the first of December at seven pm. So go and check it out. Uh, thanks very much, Roger. It's been awesome. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. You're listening to the Surgeons of Horror podcast. Music supplied by Peter Nezik. For more discussions or podcasts, head over to surgeonsofhorror.com or head over to our Facebook and Twitter sites for the latest news and updates.